Good morning. So glad that you're, you're here with us um, as we uh, look at our, our last time together in Matthew. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to, good to be together. Let me, let me pray for us, uh, and we'll jump in to our message uh, for this morning. Let me pray. God, we are so grateful that you have brought us to this place. God, I'm thankful for this journey we've been on, um, proclaiming the good news that Matthew tells us about in his gospel, uh, that Jesus is alive. God, I pray that wouldn't be something we, we just celebrate last week on Easter, but something that, that we celebrate every, every Sunday, not just that, but with every breath that we take, that you, our Savior, are alive, and that you call us into this life together um, to serve you and to know you. Help us to be faithful, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, now, listen for a second here. Um, I'm, I'm not an escapist. At least I don't, I don't think I am. I mean, I guess I wouldn't know. Um, but, like, wouldn't you love to, to live in a world brand new, like a fantastic, sort of mystical, wondrous world, right? Don't, don't you want that? I mean, somebody else, right? Okay. I mean, I love, for example, I love reading to my kids. They're, they're eight and ten. And I think, I think my favorite part of reading to them is that we get lost in these, these worlds together. And so the three of us, we've, we, you know, we've trekked through Middle Earth. We've, we've stood on the platform of nine and three quarters. Uh, we, we were there beside Lucy, right, as she walked through the wardrobe in, into Narnia. We, we've hung out with, I don't know, Percy Jackson and Lemony Snicket. Like, you, you name it, we've been in those, those worlds. Kids, right, you with me? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. The, the trouble is, like, I don't, I don't want to just read about those things. I want to I do them. I want to live those experiences to, to be a part of those, those incredible, I mean, just imagine, like, what if you could, like, walk through your closet into a, a magical forest? Like, how cool would that be, right? Or, or if you could, you know, wait for, finally get your letter from Hogwarts. Like, who, who's not still waiting for that? I am, right? And I, I know, right? Some of you are there. I'm particularly nerdy. I get it, okay? Uh, if you want a cooler pastor, reads around here somewhere. Um, <laughs> But wait till you get to know him. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I get it. I'm a dork. But don't you, like, even if you're not sort of caught up in that, that sort of genre of fiction, like, isn't there something within you that still sort of longs for a new world? For things to be different than they are? More, more alive, more spectacular, more, more beautiful, more, more wondrous, or, or any of that. I mean, oh, to, to live in a, in a world brand new. That's got to be a little bit of how the disciples felt. I mean, talk about some serious trip down the rabbit hole, right? I mean, just even imagine their conversations after that Sunday. Like, we, we did see him, right? Like, and, and, and he was really dead. Like, we, we saw that, right? And then he, he wasn't, Right? And they, they spent time with him, they, they talked with him, walked with him, they ate meals with him, and, and hundreds of people saw him alive. But if, if Jesus actually came out of the ground, like, now what? Because if one man came back from the dead, the world can never be the same. Like, you don't, you don't have to escape to enter a new world, a new reality, a new place of wonder. The new world is here. It's now. It's, it's his. Jesus, he invites us in. And I know it may sound ridiculous, but if the tomb really was empty, 
then Jesus invites us into a brand new world, his world, a fantastic world. And he shows us here with his final words in Matthew what that new life ought to look like. If you have have your Bible with you or if you own one, um, turn to to Matthew 28 if you want to follow along. And and yes, some of you are like, is this really our last week in Matthew? Um, Yes, it is. Like we did it. 57 weeks if you've been counting. 57 weeks we've been in Matthew. Um, and, and finally, we're coming, coming to the end. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it? Um, we've been immersed together in this world, in, in his world. And I want to, you know, I'm going to throw Matthew under the bus a little bit. He has taken his time to get us there, right? He's, he's chosen his words very carefully, and, and we've tried to, to walk through them. He's, he's organized the, the stories, these events in Jesus' life, life to, to teach us and to show us who he is. He's taken every care to present this message to us. And he ends here with Jesus inviting us into this new world. And I don't, I don't just mean like heaven when we die, right? A new world even now, today. What, what kind of world is it? There are three, three things that jump out. It's just a few verses that we're going to look at as, as Matthew wraps it up. The three things that jump out to me in these final words of Jesus What kind of world is it? First, this new world is a world of greater awe. A world of of deeper wonder. Now, I I don't think I'm just a big kid at heart or just maybe a super nerd loving these things, right? I don't think it's just that. I think we long to be amazed, don't we? I mean, we see it in, in the eyes of children, like, and you, you see a child experience something for the first time, or, or to be caught off guard, and, and we're, it's just, we're just so used to it, right? But a child is always filled with wonder, and I, I long for that. Well, that, that happens here. That happens in this, this new world. Look, look at verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples, remember, one is no longer with us. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, now the word here for worship is a, a sort of fall on your knees kind of word, right? It's not just like singing a song. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awestruck kind of, you know, knees wobbling kind of experience. And, and as we said last week, if you're here, right, uh, if there's one thing a first century Jewish person understood at this point is that you don't worship humans. You don't do it. It's off limits. You worship God only. That is, that is it. And they, they worship him. For they, they recognize God himself there with them. And they fall on their knees before him. He was dead. But now he lives and they worship. Friends, this is, this is our platform nine and three quarters. This, this, this is our entry point into this, this new reality, this, this new world. Like you and I, when we, we come to Jesus, we don't come to him asking for a little good advice. It doesn't work that way, right? We don't ask him to, you know, sh- rub off some of the, the, the rough edges in our life or to fix our problems or, or to make us feel better. He may, he may do those things, but that's, that's not that's not this. 
That, that's not why we come to him. We come to him as dead people begging for life. And, and we see that, Jesus, if you can do that, that, then here I am, right? Like, what else is there left to do but to, to give him everything, all that you are, all that I, all that I have, every hope and dream? Like, if he can, if he can do this, and that, friends, that's, that's worship. That is our entry point into this new world. Dependence on him, awe of him. And you might have noticed, right, as I, as I read those words, it's not, it's not naive, though, is it? I mean, listen, listen to what Matthew says, right? And some doubted. Let this sink in for a second. Like, some doubted. Like, they're standing there in the presence of the resurrected Jesus, right? Who was dead but now alive. And some doubted. And I love that Matthew includes this personally, because I doubt. I have all kinds of doubts, right? And if they doubted, then of course, of course we're going to doubt. Because it's even, even there, standing before him, it's still hard to believe. Like, who could get your mind around this thing that he was dead, but now, now he lives? And so some doubted. And, and friends, becoming a Christian isn't some easy path. Like a triumphant march where all, all of a sudden everything makes sense and everything you ever wanted all comes true and life is easy and simple from there on out. No, it's not. Instead, really entering this new world, uh, think of it like walking on a boat that's on the waves, right? So, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You're picturing that? Like, it's, it's a completely different world, right? And you could do it, like, maybe you're on there, you're upright, you're, you're there, you believe, and yet, like, most times it feels like you're about to fall over, doesn't it? It's because it's, it's, it's not what we're accustomed to. We don't, we don't know how to, how to live in, in that reality. It takes a long time to get your sea legs. Friends, we're not surprised by doubts. Come on, not here. I mean, if the first disciples, if they doubted, then of course we're going to struggle. But we're going to wrestle with our doubts together, right? From the position of, of faith and, and coming together each, each week, that's what we do, right? We wrestle together here with our, our doubts, our struggles to see if we can continue believing for another week. It's a world of awe of mystery, right? And with that comes a whole host of questions. And that's okay. It's worth it. And Jesus invites us in. Second, he invites us into a world of a better king. Better king. Because we all know about lousy kings, rulers, right? We've seen all the abuses open any history book, right? Whether it's, whether it's the, the weak or the power-hungry and abusive. But this king is different. Look what he says in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority everywhere, he says. Like, everywhere you go, I'm in charge. I mean, that's what he's saying. Like, if you, if you go up to heaven, that's uh, authority. If you're anywhere on earth, authority. Like, everywhere. And once again, like, Jesus saying that, he is either insane, right? Because you imagine any person saying that, right? Like, you, they're a crazy person. Or maybe, you know, maybe, 
Maybe he actually possesses authority. And I, and I know, as I, as I think about this, sometimes people, people will say, you know, I, I'm interested in what Christians believe and what, what they have to say, but, you know, I, don't, I couldn't ever be one uh, because of what you guys believe about sex or, or because of what you believe about sin or other religions or, or whatever it is, name it. And, and I understand that maybe, maybe for you, that's your objection this morning. You're like, I just couldn't believe that Jesus came out of the ground because of these other, these other things that don't fit my, my preference. And all due respect, glad you're here, but like, just think about for a moment how, how backwards that is. Like, if Jesus came out of the ground, like, who really cares what we think about? Like, you, you have to like it, right? I mean, it's not about your preference, preferences. If this guy actually crushed death, came out of the ground alive, and he, he offers to do the same for us, to welcome us out of the ground alive. Like, it doesn't really matter if we like it or not. If he said it, right? If he... If he came out of the ground, I mean, all authority, that means he has both the right and the power. And yet, he's no tyrant. Like, we've seen that all throughout Matthew. Jesus came to serve. Like, what, what ruler comes to serve? Not to be served. But he, he left his, his throne to give his life for people who reject him. What kind of king does that? This one a better one, and we're invited to live here in his kingdom, under his rule, with him, with all authority. And Jesus invites us in. So it's a world of greater awe. It's a world of a better king. And it'd be really easy to stop there and just be sort of self-satisfied at this point. Like, yeah, it's great. Let's do this, right? And, and, and then begin to assume, well, well we're, we're in, right? Because we're here, I guess. And so we're in the crowd and, and we've got it right. And we're, we're probably a little bit better than other people because we figured it out and we have higher sets of rules or, or whatever. And I mean, you can see how, how and why so many Christians end up so smug, right? And we, we end up dividing this world that he has made, this new world, you know, you put muggles and magicals, right? Insiders and outsiders. Not his world, not this one. Yes, Jesus invites us to enter a new world, but he also invites us to invite others. For it's a world of open invitations. That's the third thing. It's a world of open invitation. God wants a really big family. And he, he won't stop until he has one. He wants to populate his new world with anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, all, all people. That's what he wants. Look at verse, verse 19 and 20. Some of these words for, for some of you are going to be familiar, right? Um, Christians have often referred to this, these verses as the Great Commission, um, like our, our official task, like it's our, it's our divine to-do list that Jesus gives us before he leaves, right? Every king sends out emissaries, and that's us. Look what it says. Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, there's a whole lot going on here. Um, but I think we often miss it. If you're, if you're familiar with these words, I think sometimes we get hung up on, on various parts of it, but there's really just one command. 
one command and three participles that modify that, that command. It's harder to see in the, in the English, but in the Greek, that's how it's kind of broken up. One command. The command is make disciples of all nations, like a, a, any kind of human, right? doesn't matter. Uh, skin color, uh, economic background, uh, location, geographically, age, like anyone and everyone, every kind of human, make disciples. And to make disciples is essentially to invite them into this, this new world, this, this new reality. Say that it's not just for us, it's, it's for them, it's for all. We invite them to come in awe of this new king. And I think the three participles there help us by, by kind of showing how we do that. So we make disciples by, by going. That's the harder one. It's not a participle in the English, but it is in the Greek, right? By going, by baptizing, that's weird, and by teaching. Going, baptizing, teaching. Let's take a minute for each of these here. It's really important. So going, first of all. Now, he doesn't necessarily mean you know, moving to India or becoming a pastor or whatever. And sir, some are, are called to that, and I, I don't want to minimize that. But all of us are called to this simply as we go about our normal lives. That's, that's the idea, right? Going. In, in many ways, this, this new world that we're invited to, to live in, um, to be a Christian, to live in this new world as new citizens here. In some ways, it's to look as normal as possible and yet to be like radically different from anyone else, right? And so kind of the idea that like as you go into your family, your family, you know, probably looks mostly normal, at least as, as weird as most, right? Uh, but you, you go with different goals. Like you have different outcomes, different objectives. It's, it's not the same value system as everybody else. And as you, as you go into your workplace, right, it may look the same as everyone else, and, and maybe you feel like your job is just ordinary. And you go to that work with a, a new boss, a new mindset, a new objective that you're serving Christ in the, that place. As you go about your neighborhood, your friendships, as you go about anything, anywhere, as you go, make disciples. It's kind of the difference, I think, between an app and an operating system. Like, you know what I'm talking about there? Like an app, you know, you can download that to your phone and you have this little task, it does a specific thing, you can use it when you want to or however you want to kind of thing. But the operating system, that's like what, what you know, how the whole phone or, or device runs, right? It's, it's like the whole system around it in which the, the app sort of lives. You, you following that so far? And I think many of us, when it comes to this idea of like making disciples or sharing our faith or um, evangelism, however you, you want to call it, we think of it as an app, Right? It's, it's on our phone. We put it on there. We download it because we had to, um, right? Uh, but we're never going to use it, at least not unless it's, like, comfortable and easy and, and all of that, sort of, sort of pushed to the side. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. For us, this, this new world, this new life, this new citizenship, this making disciples, it's the operating system. It's who we are now. Like, you can't escape it. As we go about our lives, living publicly before others, if Jesus has actually called you into a new world, given you a new life, then you're going you're gonna to be different in every place that you are. And that we recognize everywhere you go, Jesus has sent you there. Everywhere. At your home, like, like it or not, like Jesus has sent you there. Your school, the soccer field, the, the office, wherever, your neighborhood, everything. And as we go, we extend this invitation. 
We'll talk more about that in a second. But baptizing, that's the second piece. So going, baptizing. So when people respond, we dunk them. Um, which we can just all acknowledge, right? That's super weird, okay? Let's just get it out there. We know that it's, it's a really strange ritual that we have. But it's a symbolic picture of this new world reality. I mean, nothing, nothing magical happens in baptism, okay? And yet it's like a, a reenactment of what happens inside of a person's soul. That you, you go down into the water and you're buried with Christ. You're dead, you're gone. The old world, it's all your sins. It's all metaphorically buried under the water with Jesus. But Jesus didn't stay dead. And so you come up out of the water alive and new into the, his new world and your life is now his and everything is now his. And the world you enter is now brand new. I mean, think about it. Like every other group you join... You have to do something, right? You have to be good enough at something. You have to be a good enough pitcher or hitter or runner. You've got to be, you've got to be smart enough or good-looking enough. Like any other like, group, you have to have certain qualities. But this one, I mean, you can't baptize yourself, right? I mean, the only thing, that, that, only thing required in getting into this group is that you admit that you're not good enough, that you need someone outside of you to rescue you, that you can't make it on your own and that you depend on someone to save you. And symbolically, through these waters, baptism, you're given a new name, a new identity. If you've been baptized, do you know who you are? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the name that you've been baptized into. That's, that's your new reality, your new citizenship, your new life, your new world. Yes, baptism, it's weird. But like most ancient symbols, it's also beautiful, deeply meaningful. It's going, baptizing, and teaching. Now, we've got to be careful with this one, because in our Western mindset, like you hear teaching, you just picture a classroom, right? You put little desks, rows of students, that kind of thing. That's not at all. I mean, that wasn't the way they educated their students. That's not the world in which Jesus is saying this. And he, even the way that he specifies, right? He says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Like, not teaching them my commands, right? Memorize what Jesus told you to do, right? That's not it, right? It's teaching them to actually do it. And that's important. As, as Christians, as a church, we're not trying to, to make converts, right? To get people to, to pray a certain prayer and live lives that are completely unchanged. That's not our goal. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants citizens of this new reality, people who actually who actually want to obey him, who actually believe that his way is better, who, who when there's a discrepancy, like when Jesus says something and I don't like it, who actually say, you know what, I'm going to go with Jesus on this one, right? No matter how much I hate it, no matter, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus is looking for. And he says, all that I've commanded. Not just the parts we like. We make disciples. Jesus invites us to enter a new world, and he invites us to invite others. And if, if this is what this new world looks like, greater awe, better king, and open invitations, what do we do about it? Well, I've got two questions um, for us to wrestle with, questions I've been wrestling with, and they're, you probably already know the questions, honestly, um, but I'm going to ask them anyway and talk to you in just a moment. But first question, got to begin here. Have you entered into this new world? 
Are you, are you standing on the outside sort of peering in or have, have you stepped into this, this new reality and doubts? They're okay. They're normal. That's part, that's part of it. But you still have to enter. It begins just as it did with the disciples. If you think about it, they're the first Christians right there, right? As they fall down in awe before Jesus, worshiped to him, saying to him, I believe you and I trust you as my king. But of course, it's not just a prayer that we pray. It's that we walk in a brand new reality. Everything is different now. And once you're in, as you go, nothing is left the same. And if you're, if you're new at this or, or just not sure, if you're ready to enter this new world, you're not sure if it's worth it or even possible or, or whatever, no matter, no matter where you, you at, you're at, I, I, I get it. But can we help? Like, is there anything that we can do to walk with you in that process? Would you at least hang out with us for a while? Explore more with us why, why we continue to, to, to live as, or attempt to live as if there is this new reality. And that's what we do every week, right? We try, to, we try to work through our doubts. We try to peel back, look into that empty tomb, and once again say, yes, we live as new people in a new world. I mean, we've all, we've all tried the old world, right? It's not working. We need a new world, a new reality. Come with us. And with that, too, if you have entered, I'm guessing there's a good number of us here, if you have, are you actually learning to obey all that Jesus commanded? What are those areas in your life that you just, nah, I'll do this, these things, right? But not, what are those for you? What are they for me? Are we, are we becoming new people? Next Sunday, we begin a new series. So church isn't done just because we finished Matthew. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about it because Jesus says here, he says, teach them to obey. And we're going to try to, I mean, that's what we try to do every week, but we're going we're gonna to focus in for eight weeks talking about vices and virtues, uh, which is something I don't remember ever doing here before. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. So the first week, we'll talk about the essential nature of character development, of developing a virtuous life. Um, and then we'll spend a week each on the seven deadly sins or vices. So, you know, the fun things like envy and wrath, vainglory, gluttony, sloth, lust. There's probably one or two more I forgot there. And their corresponding virtues. Um, I think it's going to be real. I, I think it's going to be good for me, um, as I've already done a little bit of study, thinking, ah, I don't struggle with that. And then you start studying, like, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's me too. Um, but I hope that you'll join us as we as we learn to obey together all that Jesus has commanded us. So the first question, have you entered in? Second question, again, obvious, right? You know I'm going here. Are you spreading the word? Jesus invites us to enter a new world and he invites us to invite others. Are you inviting others? Because according to Jesus, I mean, think about it, These are his last commands to his 11, 11 followers, right? There in that space. He says, go and do this work. That at the very core of following Jesus is a burning desire to see the whole world made new. We long for it. We long for it for ourselves. We long for it for the people around us. And yet, sadly, I mean, we know this. We've talked about this. The older a church gets, the more we turn inward. I mean, historically, sociologically, that's, that is what tends to happen. And, and the same as individual, right? The longer you follow Jesus, the more you begin to, to focus on your own, your own specific needs. That's, that's how we tend to go. And churches can so easily begin to exist only for the sake of their members. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to that church. Do you? 
I want to go to a church that, that reaches outside of itself to anyone and everyone, no matter the cost, no matter what it hurts us or, or what, it, what it requires of us, no matter who they are. In fact, I mean, if you think about it, the church is the only institution on the planet that exists primarily for those who are outside it. I mean, think about it. What other organization can you say is anything similar to that? Like, we, we don't gather simply for us. We gather for those who aren't even here longing to, to see them enter in, to welcome them in. I mean, that's really, that's why we're breaking ground this afternoon, right? It's not to make us feel more successful. You know, we can check that off as a list. Um, it's, not, it's not even so that we can meet more of our needs or that church can become a little bit easier. Um, although, you know, two services would be nice, I'm not going to lie. Um, but that's not it. That's not why, right? Of course not. Friends, we're, we're building so our neighbors and coworkers and classmates, the people in our lives, so they have a place to enter in to this new world through, through Jesus, to encounter him. That's it. And you can be a part of that. I mean, you are if this is, if this is your church home. And I would invite you, I mean, be, be generous to your church. We haven't paid for this thing yet. Uh, we need to do that, Right? but more than just money, by, by serving, right? And, and making this place hospitable and welcoming, right? We can invite others in in that way or, or leading a community group by caring for our kids and students. I mean, what a great way to make disciples, right? Early on, speaking into their lives, loving them, caring for them. And yet, we cannot just expect people of the old world to show up here. It's gotta be more than that, doesn't it? We have to actually invite them, and not just, not just invite them to, to church, right? As, as important as it is, and do that. That's often an easy way to get started. But we also need to live in such a way where people can peer into our lives, where they can see who you really are, where they can get a, a glimpse of this new world reality that you're trying to, to live in honor to, to Christ, right? Do, do people see Jesus when they look at you? Your coworkers, classmates, your neighbors, do they know that Jesus has changed you? I mean, this, this happens as we live our faith publicly. Like, don't, don't hide who you are. Like, if you're a new person, like, if Jesus has defeated death for you and released you from all shame, like, just live it, right? And, and let the people around us see it and tell them about it. Like, imagine Lucy, right? going through it and, you know, discovering this new world of Narnia and, like, coming back. Can you imagine if she didn't tell anybody? Like, not only would it be just a really lame story, but can you just imagine, like, you've experienced this, like, and she's just keeping it all to herself? And if, I mean, if you know the story, she also gets mocked terribly by her siblings once she does tell them, right? I mean, that's, that's part of it, but it's okay because her confidence is beyond her. And friends, as we, as we glance back into the old world, I mean, do you see the struggles? I mean, we know them personally, but do you see them in the, in the people around you, the heartache, the grief, the disappointment, the constant sense of longing without satisfaction, and the inevitability of death for all of us? I mean, our world is so broken. You and I, we know it. How can we not tell of another way? How, how can we not say, you know, there's, there's actually there's a, better, a better world, a better life, a better opportunity? In fact, there was an article a couple years ago in The Atlantic um, about what Christians can learn from atheists. And we have a lot to learn. Um, and one, 
one atheist said, listen to this, he said, I really can't consider a Christian a good moral person if he isn't trying to convert me. Think about that. The, the article goes on and explains, as surprising as it may seem, this se- sentiment is not as unusual as you might think. It finds resonance in the well-publicized comments of Penn Jillette. Maybe you saw this uh, YouTube video that went viral a couple years back, right? He's the atheist illusionist comedian kind of guy. But um, in the video, he, he said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would be socially awkward, how much, his words, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He's right, isn't he? Don't hide who you are. What this new life that you're living into is, don't hide it and be prepared to tell them why. It doesn't have to be perfect. It won't be. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. It won't be, right? But life in this new world is simply be able to say, yeah, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I am. But Jesus is making a difference in my life. And to, to tell your story Tell about how Jesus is trying. Why Jesus? Like in all the options there are in the world today, like why him? Why do you still believe 2,000 years later that this guy is alive? Why? It doesn't have to be weird. Okay, it's going to be a little weird, right? It's going to be a little weird. But that's okay. You're safe with Christ. And this is the mission that he's given us. The task before us. And I realize if you're like, man, I couldn't possibly do that. I wouldn't even know where to begin. And I, I mean, I get that. I understand. Maybe just start by praying for the people around you by name, God, and would you, would you give me an opportunity somehow to show them who I am and what you've done for me? All of us can start there. I know it's scary, right? And I'm lousy at this. Just, I mean, just so you know, this is not a strong point for me. I don't, it's hard for me to have individual conversations about faith with, with non-believers. It's, it's difficult. But here's, here's the real beauty of it all. Jesus doesn't send us out alone. I mean, don't, don't miss where this gospel ends, right? This is, this is where Jesus ends his instructions. This is where Matthew ends. Like 28 chapters, he builds to this statement. And Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you. And when we flip to the book of Acts, we see it right away, right? That all of a sudden there's something new in these individuals. These, these disciples who ran scared moments before are now proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And thousands are coming, coming to faith, right? Because Jesus said, I am with you. And we, we, I mean, we're here because of them. I mean, think about that. 11 people, 2,000 years and 6,000 miles ago, began telling this story. And you and I, we're here. And, and I believe and we build our lives upon it. I mean, just imagine. And we get to join them in on that mission. I am with you. This is even where Matthew began his gospel back in chapter 1, right? Anybody remember? No, of course not. He calls, he calls Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
And so bookending this incredible story is that God is with us. And, and, and Jesus said himself, right, in chapter 11, what we often refer to as the great invitation, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's a promise of presence that I am with you. For this is his new world. And even when we fail, because we will at times, right? His message won't fail. We, we'll mess up. He died for us. Even when we're afraid, he defeated death for us. And he promises to be with you. And really, we don't share our faith simply because we have to. I mean, it's a command. Let's not, you know, let's not minimize that. But it's not simply out of duty. It's out of joy, isn't it? Like, you've, if you've tasted life in this new world, if you have a hope and meaning beyond explanation, and, and you see others struggling, hurting, questioning like how can we not out of out of joy tell them that there's a new world offered to them and it begins now like you don't have to wait for it till you die it can start even now full of wonder with him as our king jesus invites us to enter that new world today i don't know about you but it's it's, it's where i want to live i want to make my home there forever and he invites us to invite others who will you tell? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, it is, it is hard enough to believe that you, our God, would come to this earth, that you'd put on these bodies um, and live a normal human life, most of it as a carpenter, in poverty, that's hard enough to believe, but the fact that you would actually give your life for us, you are king, that you would die on our behalf to take away our shame, that you would come out of the ground so that death does not have to define us anymore. That's hard enough to believe. But the fact that you actually call us to be part of this new world and this new mission even now, that you entrusted these disciples so long ago, and yet because you are with them and you are with us, it continues to go forward, and that your plan will not be stopped. God, what a joy to be a part of that. God, help us to do that with, with humility, with grace. God, help us to do it with dependence on you, so that together we can, we can worship and proclaim you as our good king. Thanks for giving us this new world. Thanks that it begins now. Do that work, we pray. Amen. Well, good to see you all. My name is Reed. I'm one of the pastors here. And just, yeah, it was a joy and delight to, to gather with you, worship together. Um, and, and just, if you've been with us, I mean, we've been journeying through Matthew. The joke is, it's been about 84 years. I think it was roughly after Matthew wrote his Gospels when we started preaching through it, I think. But, but it's really been a joy journeying through this, this story of Christ's life, of his teaching, of his ushering in of the kingdom that he invites us to be a part of. And he, as he brings to us this fuller picture of, of his mission that, that we partner with him in. Uh, and so I, I do invite you to join us next week, as Nathan mentioned, as we jump into our new ser sermon series on uh, the vices and virtues, uh, as we look at what does uh, the picture of a follower of Christ look like, and how do we understand vices and virtues in our common days. So we encourage you to j come join us uh, as we start that next Sunday.
So if you would, I do invite you to stand for the benediction uh, as we leave this place as the gathered church uh, to be the scattered church where God has called us. And so hear these words uh, that Jesus gave to his disciples before he left uh, to really launch the greatest movement in human history. And so hear the words from Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And so in light of that, in light of the authority and the power of Jesus, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and know that I am with you even till the end of the age. Amen. Go in peace.